This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The jury found two men guilty of gang raping and drugging a woman. And in this case, it was a popular restaurant owner and one of his bartenders and a woman who was plied with booze and cocaine and then sexually assaulted all night long. And had it not been for the College Street Bar's eight surveillance cameras, which captured most of that December 2016 attack, this case would have been a she said, they said, and likely led to an acquittal. Joe Newberger, our global news radio legal expert, joining us now. Hello, Joe. Hi, how are you, Alan? Becoming a regular thing, Joe. A regular <laughs> thing. <laughs> My pleasure. There you go. So at issue in this case is is whether or not the woman had the capacity to consent to the, quote, rough sex that she engaged in after having uh, consumed alcohol and, and snorting cocaine. Um, and the bottom line is, as I said, had this not been on, I think, filmed, this would have been a much different outcome. Maybe. I mean, the jury certainly took a long time to assess the case, and video evidence in and of itself in a capacity case without some audio may not be completely uh, decisive. And I think the jury in this case had to consider the evidence of the two accused very carefully and then juxtapose that with the video evidence and then the actual evidence of the complainant to come to their conclusion. But, um, you know, certainly video evidence is helpful to a jury no matter what. And, you know, if there was some audio of this, it would have been even better. But um, it, it is very helpful. And, you know, more to the crux of your question, if there is no video, then you're right. It's simply one person's word versus another. And in this case, it would have been her word versus two men. And so, you know, who do you believe? But you're right. The, the jury did struggle with this and they could not come back with a finding, I think, on forcible confinement. But certainly the, the charges they have come back on a conviction with are extremely serious and will lead to jail time. Yeah, and I think the I, I think the forceful confinement was easily stayed because I think the jury had a problem with that. But the, the, once you have a conviction for the gang sexual assault, which is the most serious of all the charges, which would in and of itself include a forceful confinement, it's really immaterial. That's really the more serious uh, of the charges that these gentlemen were facing. Yeah, and interestingly, one of the accused, Enzo de Jesus uh, Carrasso, he's not Canadian. He doesn't even have his Canadian citizenship. He had a girlfriend, I guess, in attendance in the uh, courtroom who he gave a, a hello to as he was let out. Um, she might want to rethink her choices, but nonetheless, um, he's not Canadian. And the jury never heard about the other sex assault charges that he still faces. You know, if he's not Canadian, why not just send him off? Well, you know, because this happened in Canadian soil, um, people have to be tried, and then um, if if convicted uh, and sentenced, uh, you know, barring an appeal, uh, he will serve some time here because the offense has occurred here, and our justice system has to be played out. Depending upon how this uh, finalizes, the Crown attorney will have to speak to the complainants on the other charges, and they may make a decision whether to proceed on those or not. And then let's assume hypothetically that they don't for some reason. I'm not saying they shouldn't because any offense which is committed within uh, the Canadian jurisdiction, whether somebody is a visitor to the country or a resident, uh, should be prosecuted uh, because it's in the public interest. But leaving that aside, they can make a determination that they don't. Then this gentleman would serve um, at least one third of their sentence. And then uh, if he would be eligible for parole, that's when Immigration Canada becomes involved and there's a removal order 
and he would be removed at at some point after that one third to his country of origin. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, you know, again, here we're into what the jury didn't hear, and it happens in every course, you know, case where you don't want anything prejudicial uh, put in as evidence. But again, it does speak to character. So here's a guy who's got other charges of sex assault, and a jury that doesn't understand it. So how do you characterize him properly? Well, th- this is this is one of those perfect cases where. This absolutely unequivocally should not have gone before the jury because they are outstanding charges. So they have not been tried on the merits. There's been no determination uh, with respect to guilt or innocence. And so if the jury was allowed to hear that he was facing outstanding charges that have not been adjudicated, it would be incredibly prejudicial and of no probative value whatsoever. So you can't determine somebody's character. First of all, character shouldn't be an issue unless he puts it in issue. But second, if they wanted to argue similar act evidence, in this case, those ones haven't been tried. So mm-hmm. it would uh, it would overly complicate a case, could lead to many errors if it were to be admitted uh, and, and turning the case back for, for a retrial. So the decision was very appropriate not to put those allegations before the jury in this particular instance. Yeah, and Gavin Mc- McMillan, who is the bar owner, um, he was released on bail, but the other one, uh, DeJesus, is not. He's got right. a, a He's been remanded in custody. He does have a bail hearing, though, on December 12th. I have a hard time thinking he would get bail. He is not a major flight risk. He's not getting bail. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Thank it's you. not going to happen. He's, he's now labeled an offender, and whether he's appealing or not, it's immaterial. It, it would be exceptionally hard, and it would be against, really, the public interest to release him on bail. Well, stranger things have happened, Joe. Maybe a little, <laughs> you know, stranger things have happened. So I, uh, I want to flip the page a little bit. I wanted to talk to you about this story that uh, I remember this in the court so well. It has to do with translators. And this involves a case where a Toronto man was given an eight-year sentence on a heroin trafficking charges. And it got tossed out because the Spanish interpreter made significant errors. And the man can speak English, but he's better in Spanish. But now he's free. Not the first time we've heard issues with translators. But back in the day, it was always such a big deal that the courts don't have enough um, properly, uh, you know, credited you know, impersonators or, or sorry, um, uh, interpreters. And I just don't understand in a day and age in this city of all cities, so multicultural, how come they have not gotten their crap together on this? Well, they, they are much better now, but the attorney. <laughs> That's general not saying was, much, Joe. Well, no, I know. But, you know, we've seen injustice before and the attorney general and the way the government invests in the justice system has always been secondary to their their policies. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they shout from the top of their lungs about tough on crime, but put nothing into the actual infrastructure, in my opinion. And so in court certified interpreters is exceptionally important to accuracy of evidence and transcripts. Mm-hmm. And we've seen in the past that people, uh, the accrediting program was really lax and people could get accredited by passing with 51%. And then sometimes there's, there's a lot of difference in dialect and, and, and proper interpretation. So it was awful until I'd say the last three to four years where there has been a very uniform policy come in now uh, where they have to go through a fairly rigorous testing program to be certified. And by and large, um, in most of the languages there before the court, we're now seeing very competent, very dedicated interpreters. But that being said, we still have to be careful because you can have two interpreters in a courtroom, and depending upon how many witnesses are testifying in a foreign language, if it's two, you definitely want two interpreters there. And even though they're very accredited and very astute and very good at what they do, there can still be debate about what word was actually spoken. Right. Uh, and, and court language is very technical. It's very difficult to break it down. And if you don't understand it and then you have to do it in a different language, it, it, it you know puts all sorts of uh, problems. Uh, yeah. And, 
you're right, and I'm going to add another problem to this. So in, in other languages, sometimes the way in other cultures, the way somebody responds to a question or to a particular um, situation, uh, the interpretation of that may not accord with how we are in the Western world mm-hmm. in, in, in Canada or the United States. And so you have to be sensitive to uh, the, the cultural aspect behind the word spoken in the native language as well, because it may seem passive in certain instances and that somebody's actually acquiescing to something when it's not. It may be a, a cultural way of responding. So we're getting much better at this. And since we are a multicultural society, and we're seeing the population explode. There has to be greater emphasis on ensuring that the people who are in court doing this very critical work are highly trained and pass these tests with extreme rigor and are continually updating uh, to ensure that they're meeting those standards as uh, trials go on. Yeah, it's uh, I could never figure out how they did it with uh, with such ease before. But again, when I was back not too long ago, Joe, there was like three available in the whole uh, province. It was just crazy. But you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Pleasure, sure Alex. We'll talk great again. show as usual. All right. Joe Newberger uh, joining us here on uh, on that headline. A couple of uh, interesting, certainly, cases that have come out uh, of the courts. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.